Hey, it's Sean Robertson with the Big Picture Podcast, and we're here today with Eric Kinlan, Business Development Manager at HG Turf Group down in Australia. Eric, are you with us? Yes, I am. Hi, guys. Hey there. It's great to have you here. Uh, Eric, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do and a little bit about the company? Well, start off with the company first, HG Turf Group. Are, um, we've got a, a number of different facets to our business, but um, one of the primary ones is is the sports division of the company, um, HG Sports Turf. Um, we see ourselves as one of the leading uh, sports field design uh, design and builders here in Australia and somewhat internationally across our region. Um, and we've been a, a pioneer and an innovator in bringing new technologies uh, to the market, either through um, our own internal development or through um, identifying um, technology that we've seen overseas and bringing it to our market. So, yeah, that's a little bit about HG Turf Group. Um, we are... Um, you know, we, we, we do a lot with the major stadiums um, all across Australia and New Zealand um, and then build many of those and also supply turf technology and, and systems uh, to those venues. Um, so, yeah, we're in, a, we're in a pretty good spot at the moment and um, excited about what the future brings with, um, with the new technology with turf print. Um, myself, I've been with HG for uh, coming up for eight years now. It'll be eight years next week, actually. Um, Hamish took a, my managing director and dire um, director of the business, Hamish Sutherland, um, took a leap of faith and uh, decided to bring me out from from the UK and uh, come in as a as a manager within the business. And um, yeah, yeah, I haven't looked back, and we've we've achieved a lot in that time, which has been great. So, um, yeah, just, uh, that's, that's, that's about me. Well, that's great. And congratulations on the eight years coming up. Uh, how did you find out about, uh, the AirPrint projects? HG, um, you know, we, we've over the journey. Um, and I, when I say the journey, probably in the last 20 years, we've, we've, um, you know, identified technologies that would really suit the Australian sporting uh, landscape and the sports market. Um, it quite a quite a at the time sort of relatively uneducated in terms of what was out there. Um, we identified um, a, a system which was available through a company called Molds Group called um, Moldsgrass, which is a basically a, a stabilised uh, turf system. And in 1998, we introduced that to the uh, to the MCG for the very first time. Um, and since that development, we've really um, you know worked closely with uh, the Molds Group, um, both in developing technology together and sort of pioneering a bit of a, a path um, in in our respective markets. And uh, yet again, it was those guys that sort of said to us, "Hey, you need to have a look at this airprint." Um, or turf print technology that's coming out of the US. Um, we had some sort of uh, recognition of it through um, others that had done stuff in, in Europe, but we really hadn't sort of um, given it a huge amount of thought or interest. And, you know, when the Maltz guys and Mark Heinlein and Joe Maltz, you know, when they, when they tell us to have a look at something, that's when we really, when we, when we get involved and, and vice versa. So, yeah, it really started... You know, it's happened pretty quickly. We've we've known about the 
technology somewhat for the last couple of years and have seen previous artworks at, uh, and prints at Leicester City and, um, you know, in France. Um, but yeah, we really took off for us when we, when, we, when we started to look at this closely only about three months ago. And uh, you've actually uh, produced a project within that three months. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, we've we were really fortunate. I mean, it's a it's been a a year like no other is the phrase that seems to be coined by everybody at the moment with the with the year of twenty uh, twenty and COVID. Um, and you know, you have to take opportunities when they present themselves. And we had the fabulous opportunity present itself, which was unfortunate, but you know, it it, it happened. And and that was that the the MCG, which is Melbourne cricket ground, um, one of the largest stadiums in the Southern Hemisphere, if not the world, at up just over 100,000 capacity, um, is the mecca for Australian rules football and cricket uh, in particular, whilst they do also host other sports. But here in Australia, it's the mecca for those sports. Um, and because of the COVID situation in, in our state here in Victoria, um, the, we were in very restrictive lockdown and the, 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 the state government decided that it wasn't very safe to have sporting fixtures, um, to have any crowd attendance whilst uh, the, the numbers for our COVID scenario were, were increasing and, and, you know, as they were. So some of the other states in Australia were able to manage their situations better and eventually the, the sports codes effectively made the decision to decamp um, their competitions and go to bubbles of isolation where there was um, safety from that COVID scenario. Um, so the, the AFL Grand Final, which is the spectacle on the Australian sporting calendar, basically moved north um, about 1,800 kilometres to, to Brisbane. For the first time in the, the sports history, the, the AFL Grand Final was held outside of um, Victoria and outside of Melbourne. Um, so basically, <laughs> Melbourne had a 100,000-seat stadium, you know, a, a playing surface that was maintained meticulously during that time because it always is, um, but with no sport content. And, um, you know, we started some discussions with the MCG, with their communications people and their marketing teams, with their, their ground staff, um, to, to come up with the idea of maybe printing a message of support to, to, the, to the grand final and to the AFL community and, and spectators. Um, you know, the, the size of the field equates to um, two hectares, which is, you know, th over three soc full-size soccer fields. Um, and we just had this huge, giant canvas sat in the middle of Melbourne, um, with nobody looking at it, and it was it was a little bit sad um, in in that sense. So there was a there was a particular romantic notion uh, and a beautiful sentiment around uh, creating a message to send uh, a visual message from the MCG to everybody spectating um, that week of the grand final, and and we achieved that very well, which was great. Well, that's a fantastic uh, leap of faith. To uh, I mean, it's it's almost true art uh, to take a canvas like that where you know that 100,000 people aren't going to be there, uh, but to take the risk and do it anyway. 
you know, and uh, you mentioned uh, Aussie football. One of my favorite bartenders is from Australia and uh, she, she got me involved in it. So uh, one day I'm hanging out with my son and we picked up the, uh, the magpies to follow because they're uh. the similar colors to my formerly Oakland Raiders and started watching it. And again, the pitch is huge. Those stadiums you've got there are huge. Missing those 100,000 fans is, is just heartbreaking. But again, inspirational that uh, you took the risk anyway. Did you get any uh, reaction from the other clubs, from fans, from uh, the locals, from the international folks? Yeah, the, the support that we've had is, has been over, overwhelmingly and unanimously um, exceptional. You know, it's been, it was so well received. Um, you know, it wasn't deemed to be a gimmick of any way, shape or form. It was just, you know, wow. And I think, um, you know, when you, when, you, when you understand AFL football, as you now do from watching the Magpies and, and showing that vested interest, you know, this is a sport that's played at 100 miles an hour. These guys are running backwards and forwards. It's it's a combative sport. It doesn't stop and start. And, you know, to have this venue sort of sitting vacant and idle, um, what we created on the field, just people were in disbelief as to how was this done. You know, it, it really was an exceptional thing. And, of course, it, it, you know, sometimes it's difficult to um, relay all of the facts and, and social media and uh, other platforms. People get carried away in terms of how this is done. How, how did they mow it on? How, have they embossed it? Is it painted? You know, is it superimposed? You know, all those things and all those comments just brought a smile to my face because it engaged so well with the audience. Um, I know that through the MCG um, channels, you know, they've had over 50,000 views and, you know, hundreds and hundreds of comments. Um, we've shared it and some of the partners have shared it. And, and the, the wider sports turf industry here in Australia have all got behind it as well. You know, our, our turf associations, um, some of the curators and practitioners um, who manage turf, have really seen it as as a unique, um, special thing to have done, um, and 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 really the creation um, was a beautiful message, um, quite simple in in some respects in in its in its wording um, and its visual, but then also quite powerful in those visuals of of the graphics of the two. So basically, we had a graphic of the captain of each team either side of the AFL trophy and so many people have just commented about the detail and you know how 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 much it's resonated in terms of um, you know those graphical images and and if if anything that's you know that's all you want to hear that it's been super well received um, and and supported by by everybody so all in all a very very successful um, first attempt we probably bit off a little bit more than we could chew um, printing our very first message with the technology that was um, 80 metres high and 90 metres wide. Um, but, you know, we, we were so involved and so um, integral to doing it, we, we were just going to give it our all, which, which, which we did. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's paid dividends. Well, that's fantastic. It's great news uh, for the industry. Um, and imagine 
how it's going to feel when we get those 100,000 fans back in the stadium. So it sounds like uh, this is uh, uh, pretty positive news uh, in Australia and, and uh, among the groundskeeping crews. Do you see some interesting projects happening in the future? It's very early days for us, and um, I'll, I'll be honest with you, we probably um, we've probably put the um, the cart before the horse a little bit um, in terms of how we would generally bring a new technology to market. We've literally gone from woe to go in a very short space of time without doing a huge amount of um, you know market research or or developing some go to market strategies around it. Now. That's not a negative because um, sometimes you need to create the wow factor that you can show people that then generates those other things. So we're working through things at the moment. There's a number of uh, other key partners that we have as, a, as an organization that we're um, <clears throat> discussing uh, the potential of the, of the technology with. And yeah, we're, we're positive on what the future will bring. We just need to map this out um, you know, to, to, to make it a tangible uh, business offer and a product offer. We've, you know, we've invested um, with, with, with Newground Technology in the machine. Um, we're, we're not, you know, it's not a one-off. We're in it for the, for the long road and we work closely with Pete to, um, and, and Kelly to, to deliver results for our clients. So, look, it, there's a road ahead. We, we've identified a couple of another, you know, a couple of things that we're going to be working on soon um, in, in a couple of new creations. And a lot of this is really to develop that sort of um, awareness. Um, and, and we're doing that very successfully. So it's the next challenge for us will be harnessing that awareness and, and, and turning that into uh, the business potential and the, the, you know, the marketing potential that we believe this technology has. You know, we have identified some key channels for us to follow um, with the machine and um, with the technology. And uh, we, we see this not just as an offer to, to the ground staff or to the, uh, to the venues themselves. We also see this uh, channels through advertising uh, and marketing um, you know, organizations, which, which I in particular have a number of connections to due to my wife being a, 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 a lifetime campaigner in the advertising industry. And some agencies that I've shown the technology to have, have looked at it because of that's, it's, it's, it's more in tune with their industry. They've just gone, yeah, we get it. We see where this could fit. So, um, Yes, the venues and the, the ground staff and the, the, the people within those organizations are one um, angle of attack for us, but we also um, see the commercial value of introducing this through the advertiser, marketeer uh, type route. So um, just wanted to point that out. And I think that's a wise realization because quite frankly, the revenue is going to be coming from major bigger ticket advertisers and whatnot and this, not just the uh the local teams so i think that's uh definitely where our eyes are as well absolutely and, and i firmly believe that the the venue just becomes the billboard the, the 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 channel and the opportunity comes through the commercialization um through corporate partners through sponsors um through through big brands basically that that really want to um, share impactful messages and 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 you know that's the that's one 
of the multitude of channels that this technology can follow. So I'm uh, really excited about, you know, um, unearthing some of those gems as well down the track. It sounds like it's the proper route to take. Building that awareness with uh, these heroic images is what we're all about. Um, so we hope to see this working on, on, a, on a number of different levels. Uh, tell us about uh, getting the machine to you in Australia, uh, in the Southern Hemisphere, and some of the challenges you had to overcome with that. I think, you know, looking back on it in hindsight, we really didn't give ourselves enough time. Uh, we, we decided we were going to get in on this. Uh, the grand final was looming. We were uneducated. We needed to be brought up to speed with a lot of things. Um, and we, we decided that, hey, sending this machine to us by sea freight where it's going to take, I don't know, six to eight weeks is probably not what we want to do. That would have brought us basically to having the machine in our hands about, you know, two days before the grand final if we did it that way. Um, and, and not giving everybody the peace of mind and the, the assurance that they probably needed to, to, to push out something that, to the scale that we did. Um, so we, 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 uh, we sent it first class on a plane. And uh, if, you, if, you've, if you ever know too much about sending air freight um, and something that weighs that much, yeah, it's not, uh, it's not the cheapest thing. I think, you know, we could have, Sean, you and I probably could have flown around the world uh, on a first class flight for, for that. But um, anyway, the investment was made and we, we, were, we were in and um, yeah, the machine uh, got held up a little bit in customs, but um, we were able to get that released, um, got it to our farm and worked closely with the guys, uh, with Pete in particular, to onboard the technology. Um, as soon as we fired up our, our um, programs, we, we had some updates because maybe it just thought I'm in Australia and I need to update. So we had a few little, um, you know, a few little technical things to work through in the beginning, but nothing that wasn't, you know, wasn't sort of standard. And, and we worked closely with, with Pete and, and even Topcon, the guys, to really uh, make sure we had that connectivity between the machine and the, the receivers and stuff. Um, and, and once we once we ironed out those few little things, we yeah we were literally good to go. And you know Kelly had prepared some uh, some 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 basic uh, graphics for us to use as uh, as our test material. Which um, the beauty for us because we also have a, a you know a, a quite a large turf farm where we've got you know we've got over. A, you know, 1.5 million square meters of turf under production. Um, we were able to take it to our turf farm and and really just practice without anybody getting wind of or seeing what we were doing. And uh, that that time and that sort of ability to be able to um, to use the machine and get to grips with it was great. I would say the the machinery and the technology is really out of the box you know you can literally un uncreate it and get on and use it but just because of the scale and size and the nature of what we we're doing um the the attention it was going to get um you know it was shown on grand final day so that's like the american super bowl basically with you know well our viewership's only going to be about eight to ten million but um small population in comparison to the u.s so 
um, we just had to get it right. And to get it right, we, we needed some time to practice with it, and, and we were able to do that. Well, I have to say that the time and effort that you put into it uh, produced a fantastic result. The images I've seen of it are, are just stunning. And again, it's, it's, it's hard to get a sense of scale when you're looking at a photograph, I would imagine that being in the stadium and the pitch in the arena and just seeing the complete mind boggling size of this thing must have been, uh, you know, just phenomenal. And of course, you guys did uh, pick a big one to start with. It's got to make you feel confident going forward that uh, you can pretty much handle any size uh, anywhere. Well, we were probably a little bit naive in, in terms of size. Uh, there was no uh, intention to break any world records whilst, you know, there's always a little bit of competitiveness between um, between our, our respective nations and, and between us and anybody. So, you know, we just, we took the opportunity to go, hey, if we're going to do this and we've got this huge billboard, Let's do the biggest one that's ever been seen. So, um, yeah, we let, I, I didn't even know if it was the biggest ever, but we laid claim to it. And I'm, I'm still waiting for somebody to, to tap me on the shoulder and say, hey Eric, hey, Eric, there was a big one somewhere else. But, you know, let's let's not get into the semantics of that. We were just proud of what we achieved. And, and um, yeah, there's no, um, you know, there's no seeking additional kudos because of the size of the print. I, we were just happy that we had the opportunity we had. We had the canvas that we had to print it on, sitting there idle, uh, and we were able to execute it. Well, I think the uh, indigenous people of the Nazca in uh, the Andes would be very, very impressed with what you guys were able to do. And uh, I think you did challenge them a little bit on uh, some of the biggest sizes in the world. Um, Eric, it sounds to me that it's uh, safe to say that once we do figure out COVID, once we do get fans back in the stands, once we do get the idea and concept of this out into the uh, ether in front of advertisers, agencies, that uh, this is uh, technology that you see happening quite a bit going forward. It's an interesting space and, and it's even more interesting for us here in Australia. We, we're, we've got a different sporting landscape and model to probably, I would say, most countries in the world. Uh, and in that, we have, you know, we've got a lot of professional sports teams across a range of different sport categories, but they, you know, the, the state governments generally own um, the venues. And in each state, there's probably two or three marquee stadiums that are the, the, the premium stadium. And then there's some smaller stuff, but um, all of the teams play effectively as a stakeholder or as a tenant at the, the premium venue. Um, and what we have is, you know, if I take uh, one of our stadiums, who's a client of ours, uh, it's called Amy Park here in Melbourne. They, they operate as a business 365 days a year, as most of the stadiums do here in Australia. It's what we would call a multi-purpose stadium in that, you know, they have, uh, they actually have four sporting tenants. They have uh, two so A-League soccer teams, so that's like the MLS um, in, in Melbourne, Melbourne City and Melbourne Victory. Then they have a rugby union team in, in Melbourne Rebels, and then they have a rugby league team called Melbourne Storm. All of the teams are, you know, at the top end of their, you know, at the echelon of the, the tables and, and are very competitive each year. 
Now, can you imagine one venue having four uh, tenants play out of the same venue? And then they also attract uh, uh, non-sport content like concerts and monster trucks and things like this. So these venues are just constantly pumping out content, whether it be for sport or for, for non-sport. Um, they need to be uh, they need to be transitioned quickly from one sport to another. Sometimes over a weekend, Amy Park could have three different sports codes on a Thursday night, a Friday, and a Saturday or, or a Sunday, whatever. Wow. Um, wow. Different line, different painting for line markings. Obviously, as you guys are aware of, different um, you know different uh, logoing and, and branding for different teams for different uh, respective sports codes that have their principal sponsors um, and the 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 old-fashioned or the, the the still the current way of of um, you know branding a sports field has always been around uh, painting painting logos on a field and agronomically for the grass and for the for the field itself that's not the most preferable thing to be doing the most groundsmen would hand on heart say that they aren't a particular fan of logos and having to wash them out and reapply and all this sort of stuff right. because of the limitations. Um, and, and then you've got, you know, it, it's just, it's just an issue and no one's really come up with solutions to that. Now, um, through some of the broadcasters, they've looked at superimposing uh, logos, which are generally only done on the principal uh, main camera feed so if the camera switches feed the ground looks like oh hang on there was a logo there a second ago but it's gone now and then when the players run through it, it just doesn't look realistic so um you know here we are with the turf print technology that can be that can be printed on a field you know removed uh safely um you know with with sound agronomic principles of just brushing and mowing without doing any damage, there's no chemicals, there's no paint. There's so many upsides to uh, turf print that we haven't even started to explore yet. Um, so, look, the, the, the opportunity definitely exists, and it exists here in Australia, you know, probably as much as it would anywhere in the world. Um, and, and that's one of the things that we're excited about. You know, we're, as I said at the intro, you know, we're, as a company, we want to be, we want to be innovators. We want to be pioneers. We, we, we don't like to follow, um, follow an industry. We like to lead the industry. And in that respect, bring in turf print. Um, you know, some might judge us by whether it's a success or a failure, but for us, it's, you know, it's a great, um, platform to, to, to build on. And we see the necessity for, for this kind of technology in our, in our sporting landscape. Eric Kinlan. HG Turf Group out of Australia. Thank you for your time, sir, and your innovative and inspiring thoughts. Thanks, Sean. Really appreciate it, and thanks for having me on. You've been listening to the Big Picture Podcast. We'll see you next time. Cheers.